Before I became a, a pastor, before God called me into ministry for about 16 years, I worked as a respiratory therapist at St. Francis Medical Center there in Peoria. And throughout those years, I saw a lot of miraculous things happen, things that nobody else could explain, uh, things that were just absolutely miracles. Uh, they happened in the lives of the, my patients, people that I took care of. They happened in the lives of their families. Uh, usually as a th respiratory therapist, I worked in the pediatric intensive care or the neonatal intensive care. And as a supervisor there, it was my job to respond to every single trauma that came into the building and almost every code blue when somebody coded. And thus, conversely, I also saw my fair share of people come into the hospital and never walk back out. After a while, that takes a toll on a person witnessing death almost every single day. And so when I felt like God was calling me into ministry, I told him, you have the wrong guy. Uh, it's not me that I can't respond to this call. I had formed this wall of protection around myself uh, so that I didn't have the emotions and I didn't have feelings uh, for the people that I was even treating. See, it was a lot easier to do your job and to care for your, your patient if you protected yourself and you didn't have all those feelings and emotions. And so I thought to myself, why in the world would God call someone that has lost emotion regarding human life to be a pastor? Why would he do that? Well, he did. And with that call, he also restored within me my empathy for people and, and the situations that they were going through. And God restored within me a heart that had once become very cold and, and dark and replaced it with one where a colleague once told me at the beginning of my ministry, Brian, your empathy score is way too high. <laughs> Praise God that God can change hearts. Uh, we've been spending this time together these past four weeks looking at the few miracles of, of Jesus. This is going to be something that our church goes through uh, probably at least every other year, if not yearly, where we look at some of those miracles that Jesus did and realize that he is still working today. God is still in the miracle business. Amen. And so Jesus is still the Lord over nature. He is still the Lord over the storms in your life. God still provides for you every single day. He still has dominion and authority over the dark and evil spirits. And he gives you that authority over them today as well. And what, what Jesus restored within me as he called me into his ministry was his compassion. And that's what changed inside of me. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Cheryl uh, brilliantly preached about the feeding of the 5,000. And if you remember from that story, uh, Jesus overlooked that crowd when he was teaching them and then listening to them. And the word says that he had compassion for them. There, in the New Testament was written in Greek. And the Greek word used for compassion is spaknikzomai. You don't know if I pronounce it right either, so it doesn't really matter. So, um, but it really, it means that Jesus was moved 
with sympathy and Jesus was, had such pity over the people that he was speaking to that were hungry that day who had just spent the day with him and were hungry. It was nighttime. And he felt for them. He had such compassion on them that his stomach hurt. He had such compassion on them. Uh, eventually, um, I had to leave the hospital as I pursued ministry. But before I did, God changed something inside of me. See, I still had to respond to those traumas that came in. I still had to respond to the code blues. Or uh, if a little baby or a child was fighting for their life, I looked into the eyes of their family. I saw within that mother or father that were scared to death for their son or their daughter. Uh, they were worried beyond their words. They could not describe what was going on with them. And I thought to myself, what are they going through? What do they feel? And then God gave Carol and I our own children. And then God gave me my own church. And, and I saw people differently. And I started to see people through the lens of how Jesus would see them. And I saw them as God sees you today. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be called in ministry to feel that spaknikzamai, uh, that biblical compassion for people. See, I believe God places us within this body of believers that you are part of today that need your compassion. See, our story for today's miracle of healing comes from the Gospel of John. I think it represents of God with this spaknikzamai. This biblical compassion, a compassion for those that are sick, a compassion for those that need healing, for those that are suffering. Uh, John is the fourth gospel in the New Testament. It's the second part of the Bible. So go ahead and open up to, to John chapter 5. The gospels tell the story, the, the life of Jesus. It's kind of the, the bibliography of Jesus, if you will, of his life. And this author here, John, is one of the disciples of Jesus. And so he is actually telling an eyewitness account of what happened that day. So John, about the last third of the Bible, open up to John chapter 5. So let's read this story about Jesus from an eyewitness account of that day, which was John. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Which one? We don't know. John doesn't tell us, evidently that doesn't matter. So they went to Jerusalem. Now there it was in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic, Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great no number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. 
We're, there's a lot more to this story here. We're just going to stop here the, this morning. What is happening here? What is going on in this story? See, this pool that this man was at, this pool Bethesda, was at the northeast corner of Jerusalem. It was really close to the temple. And in the past, some of the scholars tried to use this passage as proof that the Bible was inaccurate because they had never found any evidence there were actually pools there. Well, until they did. Archaeology now has found the exact area they think these pools existed. There was two pools there and they match exactly to the biblical account of that area. The colonnades, as it said, were basically these covered porches and they provided shade uh, for all those that gathered there. And the fact that this area had this shade available in this hot climate might have been one reason why a large crowd has gathered of disabled people, why they would seek refuge there. And depending on the weather, there probably was a large crowd. This was an extremely busy area. And one of the many people there, the man that Jesus is about to heal, had been disabled for almost 40 years. Now, we don't know how long he had been coming to this particular pool, but we assume it's been years. We assume it's been a very, very long time. Verse 3 will point out that there were many people with disabilities that were gathered by that pool. But sadly, we find all these people right outside of the Jewish temple. And the fact that there were so many destitute and unhelped people so close to the house of God really kind of reflects poorly on the state of Israel at that time. And it makes me wonder, would we have that compassion? Would we have that same compassion on people that Jesus did that day? Now, before we go on uh, any further, you may have noticed that you might have a Bible that goes from verse 3 and skips to verse 5. Uh, did anybody notice that? Uh, others of you uh, probably wondered why did he leave out verse 4. I didn't leave it out. It's just not there in your Bible. Some of you may have a Bible that has verse 4. Verse 4 is included in some Bibles and it's not in others. Verse four has been found out that it's most likely was added many years later, that it wasn't original to the text, but it was put in there to kind of explain what was going on, or at least what people believed about that particular pool and to give context to this disabled man's story. In some Bibles, verse three and verse four says this. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters, and the first one into the pool after such a disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. Now, most of our modern Bibles today don't include verse 4 because it's not an original verse to the text. But whether or not that's how it was happening, whether or not that was true or not, it does help us to at least understand the mindset of all those that gathered around that pool and why they were there. They expected healing. 
And the story got around that if you were the first person into that pool after the waters were stirred, then you were going to be healed. So this man is here beside this pool and his story is pretty interesting. This disabled man didn't arrive there that day by his own power. Somebody else brought him just as they probably did every single day. He couldn't get to the pool by himself. He needed someone's help to get there. And if we look at the other healings that Jesus performed in the Bible, most of those people came to Jesus with this great faith of saying, and even if I could just touch the hem of his garment, even if I could just speak to him that I know that I could be healed, not this guy. Jesus came to him. He didn't go to Jesus. In fact, he didn't even know who Jesus was. He didn't recognize Jesus. He, Jesus went to him. Nobody uh, told Jesus about him. Nobody asked him, hey, there's this guy at the, uh, this pool. Would you make a house call on this guy someday? That might be a nice thing for you to do. Nobody said that to Jesus. And then when Jesus got there, he came up to this guy and he asked what you might think is the most bizarre question to possibly ask a guy waiting next to the waters to be healed. Jesus, I think he leaned down towards him and he asked him this question. Do you want to be well? Do you want to get well? It's a very simple question, but it has a very complicated answer. By all appearance, it would seem that absolutely, what are you thinking, Jesus? Of course this guy wants to be healed. He has been here for years just trying to get into this water for healing, right? But here's why I think, at least, that Jesus asked him this question. See, I think that handicapped man, however many years ago he first started showing up at that pool, I think he showed up with good intentions, I think he probably asked a friend of his to bring him to the pool every morning for his chance to get into the pool to be healed. And that's what he expected. I believe he had the idea that he was going to get healed. I believe he had the idea that somebody would help him get into the water and, uh, or at least get him near the water. And he would get into the pool somehow, in some way, he would get into the pool. I've got this. This is all I need to do. But I believe as time went on, he was never that guy to get in the pool. He was never the first person in the pool. And year after year and day after day, he would show up at this pool and somebody would beat him to the healing waters. And he became more and more frustrated, probably more and more bitter. And years later, I think he's just going through the motions at this point, never really believing that he would be healed at all. I think we see this bitterness in his answer to Jesus. And he says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. And when the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, somebody else, somebody else gets it, gets there before me, gets there ahead of me. In other words, the people that bring me only get me so close. They never help me get in the water. They just abandon me. And I wonder this morning is sometimes we become more and more like this man by the pool when it comes to healing. Do we believe that Jesus can heal us? Yes, I think we do. Do we expect it to happen? 
Well, maybe. Sometimes. I wonder this because I too have had these doubts. When I'm asked to pray for healing, even as a pastor, I prayed for somebody and I thought to myself, I've seen this too many times. I have too much experience with this in the hospital. I've seen this happen before. And what they have is a death sentence. And I'm thinking to myself, this person is not getting well. But for the family and for that individual, I still pray. And so I would give God an out. And I'd say something like, well, God, may your will just be done here. Because we probably prayed for somebody that hasn't got well, right? Or perhaps they were made well. They were made well completely, but it happened in heaven and not on earth. And there have been times when I have felt convicted afterwards when Jesus said to me, why, pastor, do you have such little faith? And so my prayers have changed over the years. And so if someone comes to me for healing, I pray for healing. You can be 97 years old and I'm going to pray that you are healed completely because you ask for it. If God answers in the affirmative, well, then praise God, praise him for that. But if he doesn't answer in that way, then praise God, right? Praise God anyway. He's still God. And I've had to wrestle with this over the years of, of how can I, how can you have both sides of the coin here? How can you do this? And so these statements have been given to me by another pastor, and I wanted to give them to you today because they've, they've helped me as I pray for things like healing. Three little statements. One, I believe Jesus can, right? Number two, I believe that he will, but number three, but even if he doesn't, I still believe, right? Even if he doesn't answer in the way that I'm expecting him to answer, he is still God and I am still not. Amen for that? I think we can all say amen that we are not God. He is. When we pray for you today and just a little bit for healing, we, we come in faith that Jesus is going to do what Jesus does. Jesus is going to show up today and heal. Amen. As Nazarenes, we believe that Jesus can supernaturally heal in the blink of an eye. Jesus can do that. But we also acknowledge that Jesus often heals through medical science. And Jesus was very generous in giving certain men and women the knowledge and the ability through science to heal us. So we come here today believing that he can heal. But we also need to come here today believing that he will. This is where I, I think that we're a lot like this guy in the story. Did he even believe at that point that he was going to be healed? Did he even think after this many years that he was going to be healed, that he'd ever make it to the waters? Or was he just going through the motions at this time? And I think there's a lesson for us in this today. What could this guy have done differently? What would have been different in his story if he just would have acted a little bit differently? Someone that was bringing him every day and placing him on this mat right next to the pool. That was step one. And for years, this guy completed that step every single day. 
but he never got to step two. And that's the lesson for us today. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. Number one is place yourself in a position of healing. Place yourself in a position of healing. James 5, 13 through 14 says this, is any among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone happy? He should sing songs of thanks to God. Is anyone among you sick? He should send for the church leaders and they should pray for him. They should pour oil on him in the name of the Lord. This is what we've asked our pastors here to do for you this morning. Our pastors are going to gather up front and are going to be available for you to, to pray. And we will faithfully pray for whatever healing that you may need. And that may be physical, it may be mental, it may be emotional, it could be a spiritual healing. But we believe that Jesus has decided to show up here at our church this morning, right? We believe that and we also believe that he wants to heal you today. So by doing that, by responding, you are putting yourself in a position to be healed. The man in our story got so close, but he didn't. He was close, but perhaps as he is close as anybody that just might be going through the motions of showing up to church because that's what we do. We show up to church because as Pastor Cheryl said, that's what good people do, right? But we don't make that next step towards Jesus. See, I think if I were that guy, I would have made sure I would have made sure that there is not a chance in this world that I wouldn't be the next person in that pool. How about you? I think I would have done everything that I could uh, to make sure that I was in that pool first before everybody else. I think what I would have done is call those people that are a lot smarter than me, all of my engineer friends, and I would say, hey, I need you to make something that you can just sit me in and as soon as those waters are stirred, it will just automatically throw me right into the pool. I, I think that's what I do. If I was part of this church, you know what I would do? I would call Steve Crawford. I would call upon those in our Think Big Everyday ministry team and say to them, hey, Steve, I have a need. I need a catapult, right? And as soon as the water is stirred, Steve, I want your catapult to chunk me in right into that pool, just like the pumpkin chunking over in Morton this weekend. I don't want there to be anything left to chance at all. I don't want anybody to steal this blessing away from me. And some of you are here today and you are too scared to boldly ask Jesus to heal you. What if he doesn't heal me today? Well, maybe he won't. Maybe he won't today. But how will you know if you don't put yourself in a position to be healed? Unless or until we put ourselves in a position to receive a blessing, we may miss the blessing. So the second lesson from this man is to receive your blessing. See, this guy had no idea who Jesus was. Jesus just told him, pick up your mat and walk. 
This guy didn't see Jesus as a potential healer. He just obeyed his command and he got up and walked. Jesus told that man to receive what he was asking for. What would have happened that day had he not responded? Good chance that he wouldn't have received his blessing. So I think Jesus is here today and he's telling you, get up. You no longer need that mat because I have healed you. God has touched you. God wants to make you whole again. And there comes a time in our life, even our life of faith, where we have to stop going through the motions and trust that God is going to do what God does. You have to actually want to come into his presence and realize that he wants to heal you, that he wants to answer your prayer, and that he actually wants to be the Lord of your life. So how long? Are you going to wait at the water's edge and not get in? How close are you going to get to your miracle and never receive it? So we invite you to be prayed over this morning. Our pastoral staff is going to come forward. Some of us are going to be here close to the platform. And if you are able, we're going to ask you if just go ahead and come forward here in a moment. And we're going to pray over you. We're also going to anoint you with oil. We're not going to pour oil over your head like the scripture says, but we are going to anoint you with oil based on James chapter five. It says, is anyone among you sick? He should send for the church leaders and they should pray for him. They should pour oil on him in the name of the Lord. That oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit today. And we're acknowledging that we are We as a pastoral staff are doing nothing today but calling upon the Holy Spirit to heal today. So there will be a few of us up here in the front. And if you want to come forward, we will pray for you. Or if you need us to come to you, if you can't make it forward or you just would rather us to come to you, just raise your hand and we'll have one of our pastors respond to you. And if we're sitting there, we see your hand raised and we will make our way to you. If you are just, if you're here and you're, while we're praying for those that are wanting to be healed, would you, would you uh, join us just where you're at and maybe place your hands and and point them towards somebody? and, And, and during that time, would you also be praying for them? This morning I was talking to Pastor Irene and she contacted me and said, hey, I'm not feeling really good. Uh, Pastor Rebecca called early, early this morning and she couldn't even make it in today. Pastor Shauna is not feeling well as well. And I told Pastor Irene that I think Satan is using this to try to discourage us and saying, you see, you can't even keep your own staff healthy. Why do you think healing is going to happen today? Hmm. To which I say, Satan, it's time for you to leave because this is a house of miracles. And as Pastor Irene said, healing comes in his presence. So let's make room and let's position ourselves to receive a blessing today. Make room for the king of glory in your life. Our 
band is going to play. And if you would like to receive healing this morning, uh, pastors, if you just want to join, some of you want to join me up, up front and others will, will be there to respond to anybody that might lift up your hands. They're going to turn my mic off. So not everybody in the world is going to hear me pray. But uh, if you would like to receive healing and to pray for healing today, we just ask that you would come forward now. Mm-hmm.